Are you going to say it? And we're off. I knew you were going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> you just can't hack it. I can't. You can't hack it. it and now it's just, now it's just going to be a thing. It has to be. We'll see what happens. How many of our listeners you scare away? Yeah, with the and we're off. With the and we're off. I'm going to just start waking up in the morning and first thing. And we're off. That's like your tagline. That's your tagline. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for joining us. We are here, Gregorian Rant, the fabulous Mr. Patrick Deveni. In the house. In the house. And I am Father Brian Larkin, uh, coming to you live from Denver, Colorado, on the south side. So... (laughs) And for our viewer audience, uh, how about this new poster behind me? Yeah, do you you know what that is? That's the kids' floral arrangement for you, correct? It's it's yeah. There's a word for it. Spiritual bouquet. A spiritual bouquet. Yeah, that's right. And so what that is is, it's like if you want to give someone a flower, instead of giving them a flower, you give them like I'm going to pray for you. And so for Catholic Schools Week, shout out to all of our Catholic school kids here at Lords. They, I like this is one reason that everyone should become a priest, right? Is like Ryan, you should be a priest. Uh, don't tell your girlfriend. Yeah, um, your fiance. Now <laughs> I'm gonna get in big trouble. Yep. But you're just like celebrity to the kids. We joked about this. I am finally, <laughs> finally starting to like make headway with the kids around here. Where they and know who you are. They know who I am, and I'm kind of yeah. walking around campus, and everyone's like, Mr. Patrick, and I'm like, ah, oh, it's weird, but yeah, hi, and we like shoot the basketball. But the one that I, this, the crew that I'm still trying to win over is the preschool. Yeah, and they're tough. They're tough. Like, they're always in their own world, and they're the cutest, and I'm kind of like, yeah, I don't want to be the weirdo that's coming over just talking to the preschool. Like, I need my in, and I'm finally making traction. But the other day, I was walking across campus, and you know where I'm going with this, but I thought I finally made it. And mm-hmm. as I'm walking across campus, all the preschoolers are in the in their like playground, and they're like, "Oh!" And they come sprinting over to the gate, and I'm like, "Yes, this is it!" <laughs> and they literally, like, five of them go, oh, "Can you get Father Brian to come play us the guitar?" And I was like, "What?" Now I'm I'm just I'm your friend, like. That's our that's our relationship right now. So, I'm the guy that can get Father Brian to show up to play the guitar. So I had to come in. I, I came in, I got you, and I was like, no, dude, I know you're busy, but you have to come out right now. I'm going to lose all credibility if you don't show up. Yeah. And you came out in a big way. You p- played a concert for him. It's fun. Yeah. But then I that's, just kind of casually walked away like, all right, guys, see ya. Yeah, no, that, that's why I became a priest. Yeah. Was so I could be beloved by the preschoolers. They are so cute. They're just the best. I want you to know, last time we were looking at the YouTube feed, the YouTubes, as I think Mary Rogers says it that way, but the um, your wall looks so bland, your backdrop. And so that's I was right. like, you need, you need some color. And so uh, that was from the South Campus Kids. I think that was from Miss Barry's classroom. And so each one of those flowers is a prayer that the kids would pray for me. And I have to read this. This one's the best. So this is from uh, one of our kids named Juliana. And she made me this little uh, bouquet, this little flower for the spiritual bouquet. Yep. And this is so cute what she wrote uh, to me. She said, for the month of February, every week I say a rosary for you and think of you during ballet. Nice. (laughs) That's that awesome. <laughs> Good for her. How sweet is that? That is old like, time. So sweet. She's like, I will think about you during ballet. And so like, that's so. Cute. I just love the way little kids think, and they're yeah. just like their hearts are so big. It was. It was and phenomenal. the dedication, a full rosary for you. Nice. I know. Like that's a, and it's funny because I feel like the girls are always like going big. Yeah. And they're like, I will pray eighteen hours a day for you, you know. <laughs> and the boys are like, Yeah. I'll try to be nice to my sister next week, one day, you know, (laughs) out of respect for you. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, one of the kids said that they're like, they're like, I will pray three, our fathers and I'll be nice to my brother. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like not much changes though later on in life with prayer life. Yeah, totally. That needs to be a topic. Totally. Tracy Murphy with the question of prayer, the difference between. Yeah, she had a great question about that. Great question. We have to get to that at some point. Yeah, not today. Teaser, but that'll come. Cliffhanger. Cliffhanger. So today, uh, our topic we're going to be talking about today is uh, Sunday and kind of related to like making time for God. Uh, How do you do that in your life? We're 
in Lent, um, and Lent, you know, you have the three big disciplines. Do you remember the three? What are the three disciplines, Patrick? Prayer. Yes. Fasting. Yes. Almsgiving. Yes. Why those three? an intense question um what do you mean by that why like why are those to help you focus on your relationship with god to carve out and yeah yeah i mean there's uh, gosh the most disappointing like yeah yeah, yeah I, mean, I mean yeah i mean that was you know, i'm gonna give you a bone if, yeah if, if you're okay with a totally lame <laughs> answer i mean that's if you want to go with that god. yeah sorry i am such a jerk um no, the reason the reason we have those three is because it's straight out of Matthew chapter six. So the Sermon on the Mount is from Matthew chapter five to Matthew chapter seven, and in the middle of those, you have uh, Jesus is teaching on prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. There's a lot of background in the time of Jesus about why those are considered. Um, some rabbis would say those are the three things that sustain the world: are prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Um, but straight up Matthew 6, Jesus assumes we're doing them. And I think one way to understand this is that uh, you, um, you have to deny yourself to love others. So fasting means I have to say no to myself. It doesn't have to be food. It could be food. You know, uh, it could be music in the car. It could be, um, I don't know, whatever. Something Starbucks some, on your way Starbucks, into work. Yep. Whatever it is. But then the other two, so you, you say no to yourself because all of us are inclined just to kind of coddle ourselves. And then the other th- two, I like to look at them as fulfilling the two great commandments. So to love God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And so we pray, and that's a way of growing in love for God. And then almsgiving is a very practical way that we love our neighbor. Yep. Um, and so uh, those are great things straight out of Jesus's most central teaching in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter six. When I, you and I had this discussion, um, and as as I've been trying to really focus on that and and come up with what I was going to do for Lent and all that kind of stuff, we're also fresh off a three day weekend and President's weekend. And when we say talking about Sunday, we've already talked about like Sunday obligation. This is more from the standpoint of like. This one over that three day break, yeah, I came back to you and I was kind of like, man, and the normal like rat race of life, yeah, where it's your nine to five, you basically get done, you get home from work. In my case now, like whatever it is, you're driving home late on Friday, you basically get Saturday, you're at church on Sunday, and it's like boom, you're right back into it. Mm-hmm. And over that three day weekend, it was kind of the first. I kind of needed that. I needed that break. Yeah, and when you really, when I started to really think about that with Lent and the concept, like the power of having a day, the seventh day, yep, for rest, relaxation, and bringing you closer to God, and like really trying to make that a focus. Yeah. And how did you know in the world we live in, it's it's such a rare thing. People are always trying to get ahead, and what did like the life hacks now to like be more productive, be more efficient. Yep. You know, Steph made fun of me two weekends ago. I left my phone and we were running late for church and we had to be here for like breaking open the word and blah, blah, blah. Right. And she had never laughed harder because she's like, there's no way you can survive. With- did, it, did an angel just get its wings? I, I think that's what <laughs> that was. <laughs> yeah. That was awesome. That <laughs> was like the mic drop moment of my story. Uh, but you were late for church. I was late for church, yeah. left my phone, and this yeah. concept of like, can I survive the next eight hours without my phone? Yeah. You know, can we really disconnect? And it's just, it's such an interesting thing because it's kind of like one of those things too where I feel like now in life, if you're not hustling and like grinding yeah. all the time, um, it's almost like you're, it's, you're kind of frowned upon, like being able to step away and being like, I'm going to not check my email all weekend. And people are writing you and they're eager for the email back and all this. Oh, kind of I stuff. feel this all the time. Right. Yeah. And especially I, it's interesting with you because you, you take Mondays off. Like you are in full court press all weekend and having of, Mondays yeah. kind of, for me, it seems that way. And it's, and it's what you love to do, blah, blah, blah. But it's so interesting, especially on this Monday, there's this dynamic of like, 
gosh, we need FB to do this, this, and yeah. we need it now. We need him here, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, dude, it's my – and you – you, I, I admire you a lot for how you adhere to like that is your day to go do what you want to do. You go to a coffee shop and read and all that stuff, yeah. which is so boring. But um, – <laughs> Right. No, I don't know. I think it's an interesting concept though that I, the world we live in makes it super hard um, to have a day of just rest and relaxation. Yeah. By the way, I admire you too. Thank you so much. Yeah, you have uh, you have great wind hair. It's it's Valentine season. Thank you. That was kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, the uh, yeah. I mean, I think I think a big part of this, right? So the world wants to own you. It's yeah. one of the big things I love to tell people because, and it's so true of my life. And I, one of the things that happens is we become slaves to good things. Yep. But we can actually be disobedient to God. I had a. Uh, priest one time, really good priest, um, out of Omaha. I was at this kind of workshop and he's a priest with IPF, the Institute for Priestly Formation. And we were talking and he, um, I think that was father Jim Rafferty. Great guy. But anyway, he was like, he just straight up told me it was our first meeting him and I one-on-one and I just kind of tell him about my life. It was kind of some spiritual direction. And I was telling him, I'm like, man, I'm just, it's just so busy. And he looked at me and he goes, you're a disobedient priest. Oh. And I was like, okay, have a good weekend. Yeah, all right. <laughs> you know? See ya. Like, but he told me, and he was right, is he was like, no, like, it doesn't matter if you have a, if you're doing good things. God has a commandment for you to rest. And if you're not obeying, you're being disobedient to what God has asked you to do. And I was, I was kind of like, man, can Ooh. we just like talk about like, how'd that feel? You know, something nice here. Yeah. Like, you know, we just <laughs> met like, I don't know, like, hey, what's your favorite book of the Bible? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it was. It hit me. And it was. It was. He had a great point because, I think for all of us, there's everybody knows it, right? We all know, and I think, for Lent, probably what a lot of people out there are giving up, and it's a good idea, is they're giving up social media. Yeah and they know that they're distracted by that and it's probably not good for their souls. And that's a good idea. But one of the things that can also happen is we, we don't know how to say no to good things. And our life begins to be so full that even, even with things that matter, but there's no order. Yeah. And it it ends up kind of making our life something that is, that's dysfunctional and we don't have room for God. I think of like, um, I don't know about you. When I was a kid, I played every sport that I could. So hockey wasn't really a thing yet in Colorado. Um, it was probably in some places, but we didn't really have hockey. The avalanche weren't here yet. I'm that old. I almost hit Joe Sackett once. Do you know that? No. That's a total ADD moment. With but your car? Yeah. What? Really? He was running. And like, oh. we, lived, we lived in a pretty nice neighborhood where I grew up. Um, and my he was in not our immediate kind of neighborhood, but kind of in the broader kind of area. Neighborhood area. And I was driving one day and I wasn't paying attention. And I was pulling into my parents' driveway and I almost hit Joe Sackick. Nice. And he was still, I mean, this is when he was still like one of the biggest players in the oh, NHL. Been on the news. Oh my gosh. I You've was been like the guy that hit him. Oh yeah. Yeah. Future priest oh. hits. Maybe I wouldn't have been a priest then. Yeah. But anyway, I was going to say when I was a kid, uh, so we had, I was, we little league, you know, baseball, soccer, football, basketball. And I know a lot of families struggle with this where all those are good things, but our lives became so full because my parents just drove me all over creation and my two brothers and we were just always doing sports and none of those are bad things, but you get to a place where you've said yes to too many things. Yeah. And you don't have life in your things that are or space in your life for things that are more important. Oh, how did it feel when I forget his name, but the priest from Omaha. Yeah. Father Jim Rafferty. And you're kind of like just meeting him and he kind of hits you with that. Yeah. You know, like, I, I don't know. I feel like it was you good that? because he was, I think there are some people out there who are more abrasive and he's yeah. not, he's actually not that way. And so I, Long story, but I, I had known him a little bit from earlier sessions. We just weren't one-on-one prior to that. And he was just like a really kind guy. And I think sometimes people who are really kind and you know that about them, 
they can hit you with something difficult. Totally. And they can say stuff like that, but you know it comes in the context of uh, someone who's not that way. Yeah, a loving place. Yeah, whereas if you had a... Um, if you had someone who's just kind of you don't know that well and hasn't, I don't know, hasn't been kind and shown compassion, I don't know. It's yeah, been a you have to person. be open to receiving it, and it, you know, it's a lot of it's how it's delivered. Yeah. Um, but I do feel like it's it's important, and I I really kind of wanted to pick your brain on that of like why God kind of prescribes that for us, because I feel like if we can start to live that and then teach that to other people. I don't know. We're so wrapped up in, again, it's like the paradox of being so efficient in life now, like technology and all this stuff. Yet we're more disconnected than ever. We're totally zoned out on all sorts of social media and and always trying to find an escape that way. Yeah. And uh, if we can kind of start to understand for ourselves why it's so important, then we can then turn around and, and really start to kind of explain to other people that life isn't about grinding on Sunday so you can get ahead for the work week and and all that kind of stuff of like, what are we really actually focused on? Because again, the minute you're not able to explain that, you get totally outnumbered by your week. You're not a go-getter. You're not hardworking. It's easy to be perceived that way. Yeah, and the um, there's a quote I want to quote here from Thomas Merton. I don't know if I've quoted this on the podcast before. It's one of my favorite quotes. Um, But Thomas Merton has a line where he says, the key to life is discerning the difference between what is urgent and what is important. And I just, I've always loved that line. The key to life is discerning the difference between what is urgent and what is important. And what does that mean for you? Well, so so there's there's, um, the world there's always something that's urgent. Mm-hmm. And what I think happens for all of us, like when I talk to couples in marriage prep, sometimes we'll talk about this. I don't know if I talk to you and Steph about this, but I think what happens sometimes is um, if you don't, if you don't set like a pattern and boundaries in your life or the things that you, you really want to hold on to life gets so busy in the world, so demanding. And especially when you have kids that you'll, you'll slowly end up in a place where, you don't really have family dinner together and you don't like talk about things that matter and like um, go for walks and just do the things that really matter in life because you're too busy doing good things Yep. and things that just have to get done. Um, And I think life is a lot, it's really that way. Um, And one of the things we want to hit on today, if you're out there listening or if you're watching on YouTube is that uh, you were not created to be efficient. Efficiency is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. But that's not why God created you. Uh, you were made to, for something much, much deeper than this. And and one of the cool things uh, that's been a theme of our podcast uh, is that Christians oftentimes have agreement with pagans in the world. And so the best the best of pagan thought, by the way, pagan, uh, it's an old, I think it's a Latin word. I'm not 100% sure. Someone could fact check me on this. But pagan was a word that meant farmer. Okay. And what it, what it was was when Christianity was spreading like crazy through the Roman Empire, the places it spread the fastest was in the cities. And in the, in the rural areas, uh, it spread slower because people weren't in contact with each other as much. Right. And that, there's a reason it's really interesting, actually. There's been studies on Paul when he goes and plants Christian churches across the ancient Near East and ancient Turkey and Greece, um, when Paul does that, he picks hubs of uh, hubs of like transportation and commerce because in the faith, a lot of people think he, he chose those because the faith was going to spread much faster in those centers. But anyway, so pagan, pagan became as, as the uh, empire became Christian, the last places to really convert to Christ were the rural areas, and so pagan was a word for farmer, but now we think of it as someone who's not a Christian. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so what I wanted to say, though, is that uh, pagan philosophers like Aristotle and Plato, of course, um, and many, many others, people like the Stoics, like Marcus Aurelius, the Roman emperor, um, Seneca, the best of kind of the world out there, they always understood that what matters in life is not how much you own 
and we're all tempted to this. We were talking last night. There's a uh, a family that's done really well that is in the Catholic community, and they're a younger kind of family. And I, I was like, man, I'm a little jealous. Yeah. I was like, man, they're doing they're doing amazing things. things, and yeah. they're doing great things for God too. <clears throat> but the stuff they're doing for God is much more important than how they're doing financially. Yep. And and so the the pagans got this too. Aristotle understands this, and all of you know that, right? Everybody out there, I think, knows this, is that um, discerning the difference between what is urgent and what is important. It's urgent to go to the grocery store and to like fix something at your house and to answer your emails, but what's important is what's going on in that soul of yours. Yep. Right, and are you someone who is, kind of like in our discussion of purgatory, are you someone who is learning to overcome your jealousy and your, your addiction to pleasure and comfort? Um, are you, are you overcoming those things? That's much more important than what kind of car your next car is. Totally. Right. Cause yeah. And I, even when you're saying that too, of like, it sounds so innocent with the, the things that seem urgent, but I also like Steph will say it all the time with me is I have a really hard time just kind of sitting I go take a day off and it's like, yeah. all right, let's go to, we got to go to home goods. We got to go to home Depot. We got to go to Costco. And then and all of a sudden I get home. I'm like, man, I'm exhausted. And she's like, yeah, you literally can't sit still. And, and it sound you know, you're like, oh, but I feel like I'm checking off the boxes and getting yeah. things done. But there's also like, what is really underlying there? You know, like I know enough to ask that quite, I don't know what it is, but like, why can't I just sit still? And like, am I, I think you have to be careful of like, are you avoiding things? Yeah. Especially when you talk about like trying to turn away or, you know, like getting good at saying no to good things. It sounds again like, you know, oh, it's very real to be addicted to work, to be addicted to the gym, to be addicted to these things that they're not bad yeah, for sure, but it's easy to disguise them and kind of hide out in those. That's, that's a major, I mean, that's a huge theme that's like super Catholic and, and also pagan. Yeah. <laughs> Plato, uh, would talk about this, right? Like, um, Plato, we were talking about this the other day that, uh, Plato talks about selfishness and, uh, he says that, and I want to get to that point about kind of avoiding yourself, yeah. I think is where that leads. Um, but quick point on Plato talks about how, um, people who we usually think of as selfish in one sense, they're actually not selfish. And he talks about how he, he's encouraging selfishness with the big asterisk of true selfishness. Meaning if you actually do what's truly good for you, it's things like becoming a just person that treats other people well. And so Plato says in a certain sense, when you think of someone who uh, pursues money and pleasure all the time for themselves, they're kind of stupid because they're not doing what's best for themselves. And a truly selfish person wants what's best for themselves, which would be becoming just and kind and temperate. And we don't think of those people as selfish, but Plato kind of says in a certain sense, they're the ones who really understand what selfishness should be. Gosh. It's also like the paradox of all that though. Like I also feel like the people who I've met in my life that are really good at quote unquote being selfish for themselves to feed their own soul. And it's kind of a byproduct that they're also like, they're the most confident, not the fake confident. They just have uh. this aura about them and they're the most successful. They're the most, whatever, however you define it, but they're all kind yeah. of byproducts of being a, you know, good person. Yeah. No, that's right. On. And versus like, you also know the people that act super confident try to show up and like, you're like so fake. There's a lot of like false identity wrapped up into it where it's like, Oh, you're trying to like overcompensate for something. There's a great, it's funny. You just, that's like a sermon I gave on this. I don't know, three months ago, let's say maybe six months ago. I don't know. But Joseph Pieper, uh, your friend and mine, yep. the German philosopher, Catholic philosopher, uh, Pieper has a very, sh there's an excerpt. I never know in this book, there's a book called, this is called an anthology. That's a bunch of excerpts of his writings. And he has an essay in there called Joy is a Byproduct. Oh, interesting. And what he says in that is that like, 
it's a, it's a mistake for us to just seek joy in and of itself. Yep. He's like joy and Aquinas says this. He says that what joy is, joy is when I possess something good. And what we possess, what we should seek is not joy itself, but we should seek something good. It's kind of like, I was thinking it's, it's a little bit like, you know, like you meet, there's the stereotype of like, like a high school girl who's just in love with being in love. Totally. But that doesn't make any sense. And what, what Aquinas wants to say, and people are kind of channeling Aquinas is that you, you can't love love. You love a person. Right. And, and that person, that, that experience you have of the interior kind of movement of love is a byproduct. And so joy is, the, joy is the byproduct that is when I possess something good. And so that's why, like, for instance, um, sometimes you'll hear people who want it, they want to be cultured. And I've actually said that before, so I'm like totally self-condemning right now. I'm like, yeah. I want to be a cultured person. Like, totally. You know, and that's why I always like to quote like, oh, do you know Dante? <laughs> yeah. And let's talk about Plato and uh, the... I'm um, super well-read and cultured. Right, exactly. Um, let's talk about Shakespeare. Uh, but one of the points Peeper makes is that cultured people never seek out to be cultured. They're fascinated by something real. Yeah, yeah. They don't, they don't love Shakespeare because they want to be cultured. They love Shakespeare. Right. And I feel like that's the, uh, used to drive me nuts, especially living in LA, but the world we live in now is people are, are selling the idea of happiness and joy. And like, at some point it's gotta be ridiculous to live life where it's like, if you have to get up every single day to say your affirmations and tape them to the mirror and, you know, repeatedly tell yourself, I am happy. I am happy. I am happy. And try to make, do this like fake it till you make it thing. Yeah. Like the suffering is okay. And focusing on that of like, when I, what is underlying in my own thing where it's like, it's my day off and all I want to do is run around and I don't want to hear, like, I know I'm my, my own worst enemy. Yeah. And I want to avoid that. So it's like, ugh, I'm getting uncomfortable. Okay. Let's go do some chores. Let's do something. Yeah. Um, but we live in this world that people are always trying to sell you something to just, they sell it as a good, but to your point, it's, it's kind of like you shouldn't be seeking the love of love. It's like actually falling yeah. like you're in love with somebody or, you know, like it's just, it's such a, an interesting dynamic. One, it touches and I think it kind of bringing us back to our, our main topic today. Um, but, but what you said about the restlessness? Yeah. That's such a common thing. And I, and everybody out there, we're in Lent now. And one of the great things about being a Catholic is the church in her wisdom gives us these seasons where she forces us to slow down and think about what is important over what is urgent. Yep. And during Lent every year, like Lent makes me stop and look at my life and think, okay, I'm 40 years old now. And... I only have so many years on this earth. Am I living my life for the things that actually matter? You brought this up. Do you think that's what leads though to like the underlying theme of like midlife crisis or any of that kind of stuff where it's like you finally reach an age and you're kind of like, wait a second. Yeah. What am I doing? Yeah. And so the world, I do think it does that because what happens is all of us, we run around like crazy and, and this is such a thing. And we'll, we'll get to this today. But but the world always demands more. Yep. The world is always urgent. There's always going to be another email in your inbox. There's always going to be another good thing that you need to get done. But what happens is in the process of that, you sacrifice what is best and most important for something that is lesser. And so it's not an evil thing to respond to emails. But if you're always responding to emails, you'll never learn how to pray you'll never have the kind of soul that learns how to have, how to be at peace and quiet and to contemplate the deeper things of life. And Aris, uh, Plato is very big on this. Plato is very big on, can you tell my favorite philosophers are Aristotle and Plato? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Joseph Pieper, by the way. But, um, but Plato is very big on how this is, this is one of the great temptations of human life is that human beings are distracted by, lesser things i just i i have to laugh sometimes because i'm like dude what were you distracted by like clay 
and like wheat fields back then. Seriously. Like, well, I mean, what, like, it's like, it's mind boggling though that like it's so, it, it is so, such an impactful statement. Yeah. But even back then. Oh, yeah. It's like, could you imagine if he was living now? And we have like smartphones that like try to have limits on how much screen time you can have and all these yeah. crazy technologies that back then I'm like, that's like what I dream of, of like, oh, I just want to live on a beach and, and just, you know, hunt for my own food and, and not have anything like. And what's, I always forget the name of the statue, you know, but the guy with the, the his <laughs> head, his chin in his hand. Oh, um, I don't know, but yeah, but yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. If that's but, like most of your day, but it is mm-hmm. crazy again, like. I don't know. It's just so interesting that it can still apply. And if not almost like more so now than it did then. So some, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Like, yeah, there are some things that change. Yeah. The modern technology exacerbates our problem with distraction for sure. Yeah, I mean, and it's kind of like, I think of it like, you know, people have always been distracted. They've always been worried about what is that person thinking? Where's my status? Am I important enough? you know, that guy has more stuff than I have. That's always been around and there's always been all these distractions, but you're right. Like it's also different. Like they didn't have iPhones. You didn't have something going off in your pocket every five minutes that says, you know, um, new person liked your Instagram post or whatever it is. And I think, but I, but I think this is what we want to get to today is that it does like contemplation and peace in your life doesn't just happen. You have to choose it. And Lent, I think, gives us one of the things it does is it creates that opportunity for us to say, okay, like like the the world is taking over my life again. I need to put boundaries. And I need to 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 chop back kind of the overgrowth. And I need to like make room for the things that are most important in life. Oh. Yeah. It's heavy. It's hard. I think it's really hard. It's like again, why I do exactly what you're saying love lent but it is intimidating to think like gosh if i'm going to give up whatever it is and trying to then fill it with something that is good with like prayer yeah. time or whatever it's like oh yeah <laughs> it and is so, a discipline to learn so i always think of so let's go to that for a minute the that kind of restlessness that all of us experience yeah in fact my holy hour this morning i was praying this morning and i checked my phone like two or three times Yep. And I was like, what am I doing? Okay. And I've gotten, I, I used, I had a, I got a bad habit around that a couple of years ago. And so I put a time limit on my phone where, you know, you couldn't get into it until after I knew I'd be done with holy hour. Oh yeah. Um, but, the, but anyway, the, there's, there's a really deep thing around this. So in the, in the medieval world, uh, one of the seven deadly sins is a chadia. Do you know what a chadia? Have we talked about a chadia? No. Okay, so a chadia is usually translated as sloth. Hmm. So what? What when people think of sloth, like what do you think of? Being lazy. Yeah, I th- I think of remember there's the sloth on Ice Age. Do you ever see the Ice, <laughs> totally. Age, Ice Age movies? Yeah. I think I just saw the first one, but it was magnificent. It was so good. But what's the other? What's the other Disney movie where the? I think it's a sloth that works at DMV. I don't know. Is uh, it like is that a mo- Monsters Inc. or something? I think it's monsters and it's just hysterical because they show up and every every animal working there is is a sloth. And like, how are you? And he's like in a huge hurry. Anyways, yep. So so this is related to this question though. So so the the most famous book on this, most people, you know, you might not have time to read this. It's a little bit of an adjustment if you don't if you've never read a, a philosophical book. But Joseph Pieper's very famous book, Leisure: The Basis of Culture, is all about this. And what he wants to say is, one way you could phrase it is there's external rest, but the real rest, and his, his whole thesis is this. So, and we'll get to it, why this relates to Achadia, is that um, real rest, so leisure is what he wants to kind of, the word he uses. Real leisure, he says, is neither an absence of activity or so sometimes you think, oh, I've got to rest. I need, I need some leisure in my life. And you think, okay, that means I got to stop working. Yeah. So, so we think of it as an absence of something, right? Or ceasing of activity. <clears throat> or conversely, we think of it as like restful activity. Yep. So I'm going to go skiing. I'm going to go to the beach. I'm going to go play volleyball. Um, yeah. 
whatever it might be, I'm going to go watch Ice Age. Um, and so we tend to think of leisure as either an absence of activity or kind of a restful activity. And what he shows magnificently in that book, and he's drawing on St. Thomas Aquinas, is that leisure is neither of those things. Leisure is a state of soul. And it's a state of soul where the soul is in harmony with God, with itself, and with the world around it. And the reason this relates, and this is so powerful, like, have you ever gone on a vacation and come back not feeling rested? Every time. I need the vacation <laughs> from the vacation. Every it's time. never enough. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and and conversely, right, you've probably had times where you've been working, but you just feel amazing. Yeah. And you feel rested. This is that, to me, that proves Peeper's right, is that we've been on vacations where we didn't feel rested, and we've been working hard sometimes where we feel very restful. And we feel at peace. And so, so Peeper's point is that authentic rest is not something you do or don't do. Authentic rest is a state of your soul. When it's in that harmony with God and with itself and with the world. What does he say about how, like, what does that mean? Like, how do you practice, like, what does that, how, what does that look like? So the external though is related to the internal. And so that's what I wanted to get to is you got to create space in life for your space in your life for God. So when, <clears throat> when you go to prayer and you don't want to be there or in your day off and you've got, you can't just sit and rest, mm-hmm. um, this can be a chadia. So a chadia sloth, it doesn't mean like being lazy. A chadia means a deeper thing for Aquinas and for the, the Catholic world. And what a chadia means is that I'm not at peace with myself. My soul, and the, the way I describe it to people, remember when you were a kid and you had like, you're learning shapes and there's that, did you have that board? I know I'm like, I'm from like Plato's time. This is, but like, you know when you, there, there's a wood boards and they have the shapes and the kids are like, there's like a circle, a square, hole, and, and there's a square triangle, hole and a triangle. Yeah. And you take the triangle and you're trying to find the triangle hole that the triangle fits in. Yep. And you, and if, what, what Chadia is, is when you're taking the triangle and you're trying to force it into the circle hole and that triangle is you. Yep. And you're not. And so what, what, what authentic leisure is, is that state of rest where the triangle finds a triangle hole. My soul, I'm good. Like my, my, it fits. Life is good. God is good. I am loved. I'm at peace. There's a harmony there. It's shady. Uh, is a refusal to be at peace with God and with ourselves. So how do we achieve it is the, the second question. And it's related to creating space in your life for God. So oftentimes what we're doing, and this is one of the things that people would say, St. Teresa of Avila says this, and she has this magnificent work called The Interior Castle. And <clears throat> one of the things we, we don't want to do is that we don't want to sit and wrestle with ourselves. Yeah. And so we fill ourselves with distractions. And this is me, this is you, this is everybody out there, and this is a great thing you've got to do in your life is you have to learn how to be silent. Yeah. And the only way you can do it is by being silent. Yeah. And and you you have to learn to have that kind of stance towards life. Um and you can't do it if the radio is always on, if the TV is always going, if you're always answering emails and you're always on Instagram, like you're just not going to get there. Gosh. Yeah. And it's funny too. I, I was reading about this and it really resonated with me too, with like during COVID because we've lost a lot of abilities to kind of zone out in certain ways. Mm-hmm. One of the big ones now for me has been like, oh, I'm getting awkward in my silence and what do I need from Amazon? Yeah. Like all of a sudden now I'm on there living like, oh yeah, I do need whatever it is. And it's like the most random thing I definitely don't need. But if I go back and look, like Steph said it today, she's like, uh, okay, this next month, let's let's stay off Amazon. Like, cause it's just this habit now of like yeah. this awkward silence, feeling like I need more, blah, 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 blah. But it is interesting to see, and they are sh- talking about that of, where we're now like things that have had to adjust because of COVID and like fillers and yep. those awkward times. Yeah. And so I think of this, like, and I love that with Amazon <clears throat> and I think, so if you're out there and you're looking for practical ways to do this, 
one of the things I say to people is, so you need boundaries in your life. Yeah. And it's really hard. And like that when I was a focused missionary learning how to pray silently and not just pray the rosary, which is great. The rosary will teach you how to do this actually. Um, but, it, but if all you ever do is say a formal prayer, you've got to, you've got to be drawn deeper than that. Yeah. Contemplation, which is, um, it's a, uh, Latin word, but it translates, there's a Greek word in the new Testament, um, theoria and, um, the verb theoreo means, um, to see, but not just like the way I can see you or I can see the mountains or whatever. It means to see with love and it means a spiritual sight that's, that's, that I just, I can see, I can contemplate. And so Pieper defines it as, as to see with love. Um, but one of the things you got to do is, and what I tell people is, uh, like at our church at Lord's, people all the time, they're like, hey, they call me, they're like, hey, Father Brian, we want to sell stuff in your narthex to your parishioners. And, I'm, and like 99.9% of the time, I'm like, absolutely not. Like, because everywhere we go in our life, someone's selling you something. Right. And what a church does, a church, it puts walls up and it says, this space does not belong to the world. And so that's why I don't, we have a screen at Lord's, you know, we put that yep. in the renovation. We never use it. And I, I only put it in because I thought, well, there are certain times where it'll be really helpful. And, but we hid it away. We don't use it almost any totally. time. It's like, cause this is a different place. This is different. This is not entertainment. This is not commercialism or consumerism. This is a space for God. And you have to put up a wall to keep the other stuff out. And that's, I think that's one of the things the world sometimes, I'm always talking about how you've got to fill yourself with love and that's true. But the other part is also true. You have got to say no to the world. Yeah. And if you don't create that space for God, so a church does that physically. Sunday, which is kind of what we were thinking about today, talking about, Sunday does that with time. So what a church building does for space in our life, and you should do this in your house, you know, like a lot of people who try to build a prayer life, they have like a chair. They never sit in that chair unless they're praying. It's a dedicated space. Um, by the way, a, set, a, a place or a thing that's set apart, do you know what the the word is for that in Christian speak? Something that's set apart? Yeah. No. The word for that in, is holy. Oh. That's I what it means to be that. holy. Holy means something that's set apart, okay. dedicated to God. That's what it means. And so when we Whoa. say like a church is holy, we mean it's not you. It's not used for ordinary things. It's not for the world. The world isn't necessarily evil, but but it's set apart. And it's dedicated to God. Um, so anyway, so a a church does that in space. Sunday, God gives us this. Sunday does that in time. And so people will ask me like, KFB, um, is it a sin to go shopping on Sunday? And I'm like. Eh, no, I don't. I mean, I don't. The fathers of the church, when you read them, they don't tend to be that strict about it. People can get scrupulous. But Sunday is supposed to be like a church. This is not a normal day. And like, if you're, you know, you're in a family, you know, I go grocery shopping on Sundays. I try not to do anything else on Sundays. Right. I try not to buy other stuff because that means people have to work. Uh huh. Um, and so I don't, I don't know that like necessarily a sin. But I'm like, but if, I think the point is this, and I'll throw it back to you, but I'm like, if Sunday's just another day for you to go buy stuff, to go do stuff, um, you're just going to be a slave to the world. The world wants to own, the world will never say, okay, I've had enough of you. The world wants every thought. It wants every second of your life. And it wants to create it so it's impossible for you to pray. It's impossible for you to just be silent and to actually turn your heart and your soul towards God. Well, I feel like that's where, especially for me personally, I think you've said one of the big things you said there too is learning how to say no. Yeah. And again, being okay with that because it was in this thought where we started talking about this podcast idea from the standpoint of like learning how to stand firm and like, yeah, I'm not getting back to you today. And like I found myself – on President's Day being like on Tuesday, I came back, was like, there were some emails that came through on Monday. I'm like, hey, sorry for the delay digging out from the long weekend. I'm like, wait a second. Like, no, that was actually a day off. Like that was, you know, and I, I was like kind of battling this concept. 
And then with what you're saying, like that restlessness of like, how often am I the triangle trying to be fit into that square hole and like always on the go. And I think it is really tough and there are practical things of like, no, I really, we need to go to the grocery store. But it also makes me wonder of like, if I truly am prioritizing God and not over prioritizing work and, and urgency versus what's important. And again, we've talked about that. I mean, that was like the biggest, the biggest thing that's ever happened to me in my entire life was my mom died. And I, and I unexpectedly in her sleep. And I remember thinking like, I was on this, like I had the vision boards in the room of like, I want the plane. I want to be Forbes 30 under 30, all this stuff that I was like, absolutely none of that would have ever changed the outcome of mom. Like she left at the age of 57 gone. And so then it was kind of like this wake up call of like, wait, what am I, what's actually important? But if I'm still doing that right, then that means maybe I have an hour less of work during the week. I hit Mm -hmm. the grocery store. I'm at home with the family, giving myself that ability to truly be slothful or relaxed in what is important. Cause I think you're right. I have this, like, sometimes I like this daydream of like, gosh, I just want to go home on Sunday. I don't even want to get out of bed. I just want to lay there all day and stare at the ceiling. And I'm going to just be so relaxed when I come in on Monday, but that's not the case. Like no matter how I look at leisure to how you're describing that, that's a hundred percent like, I mean, that's why I joke, but I feel like every time I've come back from whether Steph and I talked about with our honeymoon mm-hmm. and COVID prevented all sorts of things, but we kind of debated like, oh, you know, I'm freshly Catholic. Let's go to, let's go to Rome and walk around and do all this crazy stuff. Right. Or let's go to Hawaii and not get off the beach for two weeks. Right. And like, all I want to do is sit in the sand. And either way, I'm exhausted at the end of it. Like I, I find very little like true leisure in that experience of I still feel like I'm living in the rat race of life. Yeah. And Plato says this so well. He says, and it, what does it mean to be a human being? So like um, the problem with sloth. So you ever heard that phrase, there's no rest for the wicked? Yeah. So this is part of a chadia. So if I'm, if my soul is that triangle, God made us for certain things. And so if, if your soul is filled with worldly things and if you're filled with lust and pride and judgment and hatred and violence in your soul, then you're at war with yourself. Yeah. So there's no rest for the wicked because no matter where you go, your, your soul is at war with itself. Oh, that's deep. Yeah, it's haunting you. And I think that's where that phrase comes from. And if it's not, it's where it should come from. Uh <laughs> Right. Yeah. But Plato says this. So Plato says, um, he says that rest, he said, God, the gods. Now remember in the ancient world, I think we talked about this with our, why do I have to go to mass on Sunday podcast in the ancient world? There's no, there's no weekend and there's no weekly day off. That's a gift to the world from Christians and Jews. Uh, Judaism and Christianity give the world a weekly day off, but pagans had, kind of what we think now of as like feast days. Got it. So like Memorial day, you know, and in, in the Catholic world, right? Like, like the feast of the Immaculate Conception and Christmas and Easter. And they had things like that, where it's like once a year, like there's like every year there's like however many feast days, but there's not a weekly day off. But anyway, so Plato says the gods gave feast days to human beings so that they could stand upright. And there's two meanings to this. One is like, it's like if you're, if you're working all the time, it's like you have a heavy load on your back and it bends you over. Yeah. But then, but what Plato really means a much deeper meaning of this is that an animal, Plato's thinking of four legged animals. They always look at the ground. And I love this. This, if you get anything from from me today, this is what I want to give you is that if that's an analogy for a life that has lived in a worldly way, that if my entire life is all about answering emails, running errands, getting ahead, blah, buying things, finding pleasure, f- doing X, Y, and Z, if my life is that, I become like an animal. All I ever do is look at the earth. And for Plato, what makes man different from the animals is that he can look at the heavens. 
and that's an analogy for him that he can contemplate spiritual things. An animal cannot touch truth with a capital T. And when I do that, and this is back to kind of the analogy with the the triangle, fitting the triangle hole. In my life, when I find authentic leisure, rest, it's when I touch three things, your favorite three things. (laughs) Truth, goodness, and beauty. Oh, you mix it up. Yeah. Uh, when I when I have contact with those things, I always say the same thing interiorly. I feel like a human being again. Gosh, you know, it's kind of a joke, but not a joke of like, I always, it's an inside joke with Father Brian and I about truth, beauty, and goodness. When I became Catholic, I felt like everything I read, like always said truth, beauty, and goodness. I was like, what is the deal with this? But I, I think something to look at again, I feel like I'm, and like a therapy session with you on this is, is really like, why does that bug me? Because yeah. I'm not, I don't know if I am practically living that. Like, again, I, that's not the triangle into the triangle scenario. Like those right. things are like a different piece of me that does put me at, at a disease. Yep. And therefore I am like, I can't just relax, especially when the cycle coming out of COVID we're jumping into like the holiday season. That's a lot. And especially for you, but that's a lot of like work going in. Then we have a gala. Then we have all these things where it's like all of a sudden life becomes about the checking off the to-do list and what are we doing and what are your results and proving your results. And not, I mean, it's not something you've put on me, but like it's that consistent, like, Oh, I'm back in the grind. And then, and, and, but I'm not, I'm exhausted. You yeah. know, so there is a disconnect with that like but, truth, beauty, and goodness. But this is the point. You have a human soul. And so I think the reason you don't like it when they do that is because just the, the, those three words can become trite if we don't use them in their depth. Right. Right. So it's kind of like the, like people always say about love. Yeah. When the word love becomes so overused, it loses its meaning. Totally. You know, and that, and that can happen in the Catholic world. People are like, oh, yeah, here at, here at this church, we're about truth, goodness, and beauty. It's kind of like every Protestant church other is like, we're a Bible church. Yeah. And it's like, sure you are. Live, love, laugh. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Live, love, laugh like that. Yeah. Um, but Balthazar has a great, um, great line about this in, in the glory of the Lord volume one. He, he's talking about how the, he calls the three transcendentals, truth, goodness, and beauty. He calls them triplets. And he says they're, when we lose one of them, and he's talking about beauty specifically, then he says, in a mysterious act of vengeance, the one triplet takes her two sisters with her. Ooh. And one of the ways he says this, and this would be a good point, I think, of like, what do I mean by truth? Let me give you a practical example here. Um, so Balthazar in that same section, he says that when, when we lose beauty, truth is reduced to functionalism. Uh Truth is truth becomes uh, merely functional. It's how do I do things and how do I make things work, and that doesn't touch your soul. It may be cool for a minute of like, oh wow, like like I think of like really cool things in like science, for instance, that are cool things, and it's like wow, this is amazing. Like this is like how I'm not a scientist. Like here's here's how protons work, you know? Yeah, and that can be really amazing. You can be you can marvel at it, but but here's the kind of thing I mean. So like. Um, I think of like, we'll steal a line from Dr. Tim Gray here. So Tim Gray in his doctoral dissertation on the temple and the gospel of Mark, he shows how there's these two parallel scenes in Mark's gospel. And so the widow goes to the temple and she uh, puts in the widow's might. Do you remember this scene? Mm. So uh, it's in, uh, let me find it really fast here. Um, here it is. So it's, it's Mark 12 and says, so Jesus, it says he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the multitude putting money into the treasury. Many rich, rich people put in large sums and a poor widow came and put in two copper coins, which make a penny. Now that's the Greek doesn't say penny. They're trying to translate what the widow's might is. He called his disciples to him and said to them, truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the treasury. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put everything she had, her whole living. 
So the the widow, and here's here's what Tim Gray says in his dissertation. Tim, sorry to ruin your book. Go buy it, everybody. <laughs> yeah. um, what he shows is that, and this is the kind of thing that doesn't have a practical like application in my life. So that the widow is poor, dirt poor widow. She makes an exorbitant gift. Is Jesus' point? There's all these rich people who put in a huge amount of money. Doesn't hurt them a bit. Right. This. I'm going to get emotional at this. This poor woman who has nothing. Everything she has, she gives to the temple because she loves God. Right? In chapter 14, so that's the end of chapter 12 in Mark's gospel. Um, in chapter 14, Jesus is anointed at the beginning of the chapter by a woman in Bethany. And it says this, He was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper. As he sat at table, a woman came with an alabaster jar of ointment of pure nard, very costly. She broke the jar and poured it over his head. But there were some who said to themselves indignantly, why was the ointment thus wasted? And here's what Tim shows. In between those two, Jesus predicts the destruction of the temple. And this, this is what I want to get at with truth, goodness, and beauty. What, what Tim's dissertation shows is that there's two temples in Mark's gospel. There's the Jerusalem temple built of stones and there's the body of Christ. And in Mark 12, the end of chapter 12 and then 14 and 13 in the middle, what happens is you have these two poor women who make exorbitant gifts to the two temples. The widow puts in everything she has for God's temple in Jerusalem and this woman in Bethany, this exorbitantly expensive ointment, she pours over Jesus. And what Tim shows, both of those temples are going to be destroyed. And that's what Jesus talks about in between those two scenes. But one of them will be raised to life. I love that. Now that, here's what, here's what Balthazar is getting at. That's not the kind of like truth that's like, here's how you screw in a light bulb. Right, right. <clears throat> but just even just sharing that with you all right now in this podcast, that touches my soul, right? And like when I learn things like that and when my soul touches like the truth of Jesus is the true temple, he is the one that we're called to be wasteful with, right? To pour out, gosh, I'm getting emotional this podcast, uh, but to pour out that, and to waste the best of what we have for him. Yep. Um, that's the kind of truth where I'm like, wow, I feel like a human being again. Right? I didn't just Gosh. learn how to like fix something in my house. And that's, and so truth, making space in our life to kind of wrap up my thoughts and I'll throw it back to you to finish this off here, but because I got to go. Um, but uh, I got to go say mass, everybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably be late. Sorry. Um, we got to make space in our life for that. Yep. The world, the world wants to say, Hey, just buy one more thing on Amazon. Yep. Hey, to learn how to like polish your car a little better. Those are not bad things. You weren't made for that. But when I learn about the, the, the beauty and the truth and the goodness of Christ, I feel like a human being again. Gosh, <laughs> hearing you say that story, it's almost like, you know, sure. The, the Amazon, the blah, blah, blah. But Taking time for God can so easily be, uh, you just hear it now. That's wasteful. Yep. Like, oh, I'm going to take this. I'm going to, you know, they, people need to know what you're doing. I'm taking the morning off. Yep. Oh, wasteful. You're not getting back to me on emails. Yep. You know, it's the oil. I love that. You, yeah, exactly. You're called to be wasteful. Right. You are not, in the things of God, you are not called to be efficient. You are called to be wasteful. And you can say that, right, about the, 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 the God of all creation, the God of Israel, the Sabbath is not efficient. Yep. It's wasteful. Thank God for that. Yeah. Because he didn't create you to be to get ahead. He didn't create you to be efficient. He made you for him. Oh. And that's that boundary. And so you got to make the boundary. If you do it, this one, that could be a great resolution for some of you out there. Don't just go to mass on Sunday. That's the high point. Say no to the world. Yeah. Say heck with you world i want to say a different word thing but i'm not going to say it and but but tell the world it has no space that that day belongs to jesus christ um and that day on sunday remember that you 
you have to live in the world. You have to do the things you got to do. But you weren't made for that. That's a mic drop. There it is. Happy Lent. Happy Lent. I got to go say mass. Yep. Uh, again, as always, thank you so much for all the comments online. Please email us rant at lordsdenver.org and follow us on YouTube, Spotify, any of the spots. And uh, again, Ryan, thank you for all you're doing. For the win. For the win, Ryan, for the win. God bless That's everybody. It. See you next time.